Hello, hello. Sounds about right. So much better. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, it was it was it was Jed's fault. I feel like you're here with us now. All right, episode seven. Are we gonna do another open? Ready? Seems like we should document this milestone of Jed finishing his book. And it aligns sim- in, it aligns into what I wanted to talk about, which is like people looking for a job and how they can utilize, you know, some of what we do in consultations with finding compelling story arc and their, you know, their big, their big why and everything and, and, and you know, reaching their goals. Um, I think telling your story no matter where you're at in life is is important. So it seems like, you know, you might have some thoughts on this, Jed, seeing as you are covering this in your book. No doubt. Well, one of the first <laughs> things that comes to mind when you're saying that is just how, you know, when when you you are looking for a job, you know that on the other end, there's this other pile of applications. And so many people just work on doctoring up the resume and making it look like they're qualified. But... In truth, on the other end, there's a human that's reading. There are multiple humans that are reading them. And there's nothing that cuts through noise quite as uniquely as someone's story. So if you can put in examples of just stories of what you've done and what turned you on and what turned you off and lessons that were learned, I just feel like that, if it's packaged right, should actually cut through the noise. So that's one example. for resumes, yeah, they say I, I, even more important than what's in it is who you know. So, I mean, there's yeah. that. You know, if you have a, if you can search for any way that you know someone at this company or you even call or look them up on Instagram and you can at least say, can I put you down as a reference if there's any connection whatsoever at a company, that is more powerful than all the words that you can wordsmith into your resume totally. and all the things you can put in there because they're not going to look at it. They're just going to be like... Ah, it's a big stack, you know. They, yeah, there's no guarantee that even if you did put all this amazing stuff, of course, when you interview, telling your story is so important. Mm-hmm. But like the actual resume, from what I've been hearing recently, is get someone that you can vouch for you. Have, have you been shopping resumes? Oh, let me tell you, mine is it's a it's a big thick resume stack right now. <laughs> His resume is a business card. <laughs> No, I yeah. personally have not. <laughs> it's it's it is weird. Like the older you get, how much is just like a, all about who you know. Like the the thing people always say about once they get their degree or like years later after they like reflect on going to college, especially it seems is like oh, it's all about like who the people I met was like were like that was like the most valuable thing, even more so than like a lot of the classes. I mean. Mm-hmm. With a lot of the people I know, you know, who are taking out like my friends who are like nurses and <laughs> things where it's like, that was also valuable, but you, you know, need your education, obviously. We're only a couple minutes in and Mike has already used his, uh, the older you get expression. You've had, <laughs> <laughs> you've had at least one per podcast. You know, the older you get, it's, it's funny. Like it's the, funny. The older those you get, idioms, man, they really start hitting home. And the older <laughs> yeah. you get, the older you get, the more expressions seem to really hit oh, home. It's so true. The older I, you get, I don't know. I don't know if I've <laughs> talked to you guys about this, but I'm in a perpetual state of like, I've already lived my life, and I'm a 95 year old man on his deathbed, and I somehow have 
the ability to time travel and go back into like my present moment. I have that like every week. Yeah, no, I'm we like, know you're oh. a crazy person. Yeah, so <laughs> that's like where my head is at all the time where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm an old man dying right now and I just <laughs> go back to this moment and it helps me. It's actually like when you think about if you want to live your life like you're the main character of your story, like you can. Podcast like, seven, like, the like intervention. Treat it, treat it that way. <laughs> well, that's actually hey, what. That's actually a really good, you know, really good point. And I, I actually dedicated quite a bit of writing. You don't know this yet because you haven't read it, but I, I dedicated quite a bit of writing to that exact topic of looking at. Well, it's your, plagiarism. So. Oh, sweet, <laughs> sweet. Who did I take it from? Huh? Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> pretending that you stole that idea from me. From you, I see. I see. Yeah, no, no. I've I, I've heard I've heard that from some from someone, and it, and it really struck me. Like, sort of live your life as if you're, you know, you, you've you've gone back in time and got to relive it. Um, isn't I don't that know, I think uh, about that all the time? The movie about time. Say what? Well, he hasn't seen about that. Ti- yeah, yeah, about time. It's a great movie. He's seen, oh, yeah, he's or, seen that. Oh, who was it who said they hadn't seen it the other day? Well, whatever. We to our podcast listeners slash watchers out there, if you haven't seen the movie About Time, it's life-changing. It's fantastic. It's a good one. Go watch it. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think that's the that I think good. that's true of any any time you can sort of step into into someone else's shoes and watch their story, you're you're imagining it as if it was you too. You're getting something from it. I certainly was greatly impacted that way when I read uh, Man's Search for a Meeting. Uh, Victor Frankl, and I quoted a little bit of it in the book, um, and just just hearing his perspective on what it was like to be in a death camp in Nazi Germany, day in and day out, these kind of like journal entries of uh, the mundane, minute to minute, don't know if, who's going to die next or whether you just completely lost hope, um, and he talked quite a bit about perspective, mental perspective, um, imagining yourself. And when he had a breakthrough, it was from this exact same thing that you're talking about, Mike. Um, he was, it was a one particular day when he was trudging along in a group of, so of, uh, you know, being driven by soldiers, group of, uh, camp inmates and they were starving and they had, um, you know, they had sores all over their feet and it was freezing outside and he particularly couldn't um, make his shoes work right because they were buckling in on him and just tearing his feet apart. And he, he couldn't stop thinking about what they were going to have for food that night and how, whether it would be a smart move to take some, um, some of the food and, and bribe some of the guards with it or, or should he give it away to some of his best friends because there just wasn't enough to go around. And suddenly in the midst of it all, he had this moment where he could see himself thinking about all this mundane crap that he just felt like was terrible. And he was disgusted with the situation. So he intentionally decided to imagine something else. And what popped into his mind was him in an auditorium and the auditorium was warm and the seats were, were, you know, upholstered and everyone was comfortable and he was standing on stage and he was lecturing about um, psychology and particularly the psychology of that he learned 
from his experience in this death camp. And it was so transformative in that moment that he came back to life. And just imagine from then forward that he was in this giant science experiment and he could suddenly look at everything objectively and not, not just, you know, looking at it like wh- whether he's going to die or not or, you know, whether it, it suddenly had meaning. And that was his point. One of his major points in the book is, is, is you know, our own mental state, the stories that we are writing, imagining, telling about to ourselves first and then to the world is is completely up to us it's it's no one can control that right so he went on to create logotherapy which is a major breakthrough in modern psychology um and it's 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 the basically um it basically talks about the fact that you have control over your own mind no matter the circumstance and um Mm -hmm. it was pretty 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 spectacular so for people who don't know what your book is maybe we could talk about that you know say that there's someone you know not only looking for a job like we were just discussing maybe they're in a job maybe they're not feeling fulfilled maybe they're the ceo like who knows how many people what you have you know like maybe you could even say that like who is this book for like is it for everyone is it for a specific person um, and also, how did you come about even, you know, why did you write this to begin with? So it was about a year ago that I started getting this, this thought, this feeling inside that was like really getting stirred by the idea that story is such a part of us it, and that it's so close to us and such a definer of reality that we kind of grow up and go through our life not even knowing how important it is to us because it's just, it's like breathing. It's just always mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. It's just always part of our mind. So I got fascinated with the idea that if, if story is that important, are there things that we can do to lean into it, to harness it, to ride it, to, to leverage it in our, in, in changing our life or bettering our life. And the, I knew that I would want to have read a book like this as an entrepreneur, as a young man, as a young entrepreneur, because there's just so many things, so many times when I needed hope. And I started thinking about the stories that I heard directly from other people like Charbel when he was on the podcast and he's in the book too. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of started to unlock this idea that, you know, story is an accelerator. Story either accelerates you toward a better place or a worse place. It depends on the story. Mm -hmm. If you believe something incorrect about yourself or about others, um, and you tell that story, you you it, you will be accelerated to it toward a negative negative direction. If you believe positive, good, wonderful things, and you lean into that and you tell that story, you will actually accelerate in that direction. You attract more of those same types of people, and 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 this book deep dives into a framework that I wrote called story acceleration and it's the subline to the to the book is the the seven steps of story acceleration and the title's momentum and right now the working title is momentum i when i when i originally thought of the the title momentum i was like oh that's that's cool i think i could like that title and i think i did a quick amazon search and i was like i don't see really much there i was on my phone 
And then just recently I researched it <laughs> and it's, there's like dozens of books called momentum and then like some subline seven habits of right <laughs> story acceleration. So now I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. cooled off to that yeah. title. And so I don't know, maybe by the time you watch this podcast, it will be, or listen to this podcast, it'll be titled something else. But the manuscript, the first draft is written just finished this morning. And, um, and it really is about gaining momentum. It really is about harnessing story. Um, and it, it's not very tactical, practical. It's not, it's not, um, Hey, wake up in the morning, do this morning routine and then do this. And then it's not like that. It's much more a matter of, um, high level principles of, of, you know, cause and effect and how we can, you know, what we need to do to lean into them. So for example, um, in this version of storytelling, there's, you know, you start with something that you're trying to achieve, whether it's in the, the short term or the long term. So step one is you're thinking of an achievement. If you want to achieve something, you inevitably have to take action to get there, to go after it. So action is step two. The more action you take, the more story you're writing. Action will inevitably lead to conflict. Conflict is a huge part of any good story. You just, just there's no real meat to the story. There's no point to mm -hmm. it really. Other if there's no conflict, you like didn't overcome something, mm -hmm. right? Conflict. In order to uh, overcome conflict, and and yeah, to overcome conflict, you need character. And there and and I do a little play on words, double meaning of the word character and characters in a story. Mm -hmm. Characters have character. The character that a, that a character has is forged from conflict. And so that's sort of the first half of, uh, of the two cycles, of the two phases of storytelling, which is writing the story. That's the first half. And on the second half of the telling the story, I, you start with um, uh, authenticity. So character you know, the, what character the characters have is forged in conflict. And so that's the first half of writing your story. Then it goes into the second phase, the power phase of, of storytelling, which is the telling part of the story. Mm -hmm. And so it starts by, in, in my mind, the, the most important thing is to start by framing your mindset before you're telling the story with authenticity. Because if you're telling a story that's incorrect, you're going to accelerate yourself in the negative direction or someone else in a negative direction. So you start by framing with authenticity and then you reflect and you, you think back on the story and you find uh, the why, the moral to the story. Now that could change over time with more data. So you hold on to it loosely, but you still have to go f finish your way around the story flywheel, as I call it, and start again and take this lesson learned and go back into it. So the final two steps, uh, step six, finding the why, the moral, and then step seven is advancing. And in this framework, advance means you figure out who should hear this story, how should it be told, should it be written, should it be a video, should it just be verbal from me to you or from me to the world, when should it be told, in what style? Are you saying even told? some stories are don't like the narratives we tell ourselves in our mind? Though is that, that, is that part of it? Or? Sometimes the who is just us. 
that you're, you're saying, I'm going to tell this story only to myself. I don't have enough data to tell this to the world. Mm. I'm going to tell it to myself. I'm going to say, this is what I believe from yesterday. I'm still gathering data, but the story of yesterday went like this, this, and this. And so right now I'm believing this and I'm going to hold on to it loosely and add more data. And eventually when I feel more, more concrete with that, I think I could leverage this and tell the world this story. So there's a constant, you know, re-questioning, but you really can't take steps forward without some type of hypothesis and, you know, check it off of that. Look at it through that lens and check it off of that. So this framework is all about doing that, both on a short time horizon and a longer time horizon. It could be, you know, I think, I think a really great cycle is the daily cycle. You know, Ben Franklin famously woke up in the morning and would say, what good shall I do today? And then he would lay in bed at night and say, what good did I do today? And that's a really important example of this, this power, the power cycle of storytelling. He's planning the story and then reflecting on what the story really was. I feel like today or currently going on, there's a lot of people that are not doing their own writing and doing their own storytelling i think getting it handed to them and then jumping on at the telling part of it is what i'm seeing a lot of and they're just telling a story and telling a narrative with no reflection and no personal experience you know like take for instance facebook sharing articles or things that feed into what they want to be the truth but they're not taking a deeper look at it they're not they themselves going out and experiencing it talking to people finding out if that's the truth you know i could even see it applying to that like how Absolutely. do we how do we share responsibly how do we how do we um make sure the stories that we're perpetuating are you know not just something that are our bias that are just confirming our our biases whatever that bias is you know we i think we just need to make sure we're doing that full loop well yeah often often it's not our story to tell and so we have to say that Okay, so it's not my story to tell, but my understanding is from this. And then, so disclaimers, mm. right? Even that's helpful, mm-hmm. you know? How, how would yeah, you... Most, how, pe- most people, I think, want a good story more than they want the truth. <laughs> it's like, it's just, a good story is just, you know, timeless. Even if it's complete BS, it's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's still intriguing and interesting. And people want that more than like, oh, let's like, you know, dig deeper to find what's re- like real. Because that's... It might be more boring. It might be less exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. that's a really right. great question. And I, I dove into that in the chapter about authenticity. Like, uh, for example, I love I love it watching a movie that was a real a true story. Yeah. But they if you notice, they always have that disclaimer based on a true story. And when you look it up, like sometimes the details are so different to where it was like it kind of just fooled you. Like, OK, was that re- that's. It's like rewriting history. It's not really how it went down. And for me, I, my, my theory is that, yes, there can be great wisdom packed into a, a fictional tale, and that's fine. Just call it a fictional tale. But if you are going to tell a historic tale, tell it correctly. Tell it, tell it the way it really is because the nuanced <laughs> lessons learned from history are important. And, and you may have to, again, talking about a time horizon, Gen- many generations may have to chew on the little details of a, of a true story to, f- to finally get the wisdom that's necessary over a long enough time. 
So how does what you're talking about in this book differentiate from like, is it all about self-advancement and how to get what I want in life? Or because I could see someone hearing the things you're saying and say, and, and kind of think to like, Oh, well, like I do tell my story. I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok and I put myself out there every single day and I have 10,000 followers and, like, how does, I obviously have an idea of what the answer is, but I want to hear it from you. Like, what is the big picture of this? Why is it important and different than just like that shallow social media type storytelling that it, it, we're just saturated in? Because I feel like we don't need more of that. So how is it different? What's like the... <laughs> this book is not for influencers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... You know, it's, it's like I said in the beginning, it's not tactical and practical. So it's not telling you how to share it on Instagram or, or it, it's not really addressing so much of that. It's more of a self-supported system where you use reflection and, and, you know, battle forged lessons learned to actually improve yourself and improve those who are, you know, help, help those who are around you to improve. And it, well, and, when, Jed, sorry, yeah. when you say it, it's not tactical and practical, I mean, it's not it's not like a, uh, getting into the details of your daily life. But the way you said that it's like is making it sound like it's not practical, but it sounds like it is practical for your 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 life as a whole, just not necessarily like here's the it's not a user manual what you should it's eat not, for breakfast. And yeah. Let, yeah, I should clarify. I just, I didn't want, I don't want it to sound like a step-by-step marketing book. You know, it's not yeah. like, it's like, it's not like, hey, you've heard of stories on Instagram. Here's how you leverage stories. I'm not, it's nothing like that. Mm. It's a self, right. so it's, it's a self-supported um, framework that, that keeps you honest, that keeps you moving in the right direction and, and helping those around you to move in the right direction. I spend a decent amount of the book talking about what the most important thing in life is. Like, what's the point of all of it? And that is to give away more love, to share more love. And of course it's awesome to go after, um, success as an entrepreneur, but for what reason? Because a lot of this is framed around taking your organization or your business to a better place. You know, it is written for an entrepreneur who wants to, who, who was, who was me, who, who was someone who was in, in really, really deep doo-doo, didn't know how to get out of it. And, you know, had to just kind of put one foot in front of the other and learn. And that's what this process, if I had had this process, I would have accelerated much quicker. I would leaning into this process I can see that w- the, the, the maturity and the wisdom and the advancement that I have had from, from then till now is because of some form of this. And I think if I had leaned into it, there would have been, I would have grown stronger faster. And I think that's the point. And I, that's like why I said it, it does kind of read like a self-help book, but I believe that any, anything that we want or, or anything that is good and worth going after in life it is, um, it does start with us. It does start with the principle being principally minded and taking, taking ownership over your life. So I think that's what I was, you hit on what I was driving at with my question, which is there is a bigger, bigger picture 
story here that's outside of the self, right? It's not like this egocentric, how do I get what I want type thing. It's actually, it's kind of like what we were talking about in episode five, where uh, what we finally landed on was how to how to do meaningful work. Um, meaningful work is work that brings good and lifts up others, right? It's it's that's right. It's outwardly focused, not inwardly focused, and so is it fair to say that that's kind of the same underlying theme of this? Is like if how to tell your story to yes advance yourself, but advance yourself so that you can help others. Yeah, that's right. It's it. The point of advancing is not, I mean, we get to enjoy the good along the way. That's great. There's nothing wrong with having pleasures and, you know, achieving some, some different types of success and like celebrating that. There's a lot in the book about celebrating and how about programs our mind that we need to celebrate, mm-hmm. right? We need mm-hmm. to celebrate when we get to, to you know, when we, we've, when we've come out the other end of a specific story, we need to celebrate that and allow it to affect our, affect our mind. But the why, the bigger why, the importance of all that is because, you know, it's not just us. It's not just, we, we, we're, we're a social being and we, we have great influence, way more than people think on all of those around us. And we are literally taking people down or building them up. And this is all about a framework that helps the world become better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's different ways to live your life. There's a way where you don't help yourself and you don't help anyone else. There's a way where you only help yourself, but you don't really help others. There's a way where you help yourself at the expense of others, which is like kind of the most evil way of living life. Um, but I think most sane rational moral people would agree that the best possible way to live a life is a way that not only helps yourself but in doing so helps others right and i feel like that's what we were kind of landing on when we were talking about passion and calling and meaningful work it's kind of where we arrived at was like that is the highest calling is you find the thing that you're good at that you love that helps other people that's right um and it sounds like that's kind of what you're going at with the power of storytelling in your own life is do using storytelling to kind of get to that place. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have experienced the, the pain and pleasure cycle of our stories since the day we were born. And yet most of us still, um, the pain side tends to win out over the, the hope for pleasure. And why is that? Well, we have this muddy recollection of all these different memories from our stories that that we didn't really think of as stories. They're just back there. They're just these occurrences in our life. But it's, it's very different, and journalers will tell you this. Those who journal and document their life, the stories of their life, have much greater clarity on the point of, the sto- of each one of those stories. The, you actually, it gives you a framework and a lens to look through to assess and say what was good, what wasn't, what worked, what didn't. And how should I apply that next time? And so rather than having this muddy memory of the past, leaning into this framework actually gives you intentional um, documentation and steps to clarify how to, how to better your life with story. So if I were to try to tie what you've connected dots between what we've talked about now and then the initial 
kind of prompt from Mike about you're looking for work right now. What's kind of what's bringing in as a, as like a, into that example, right? Because I think that what we're talking about is not someone who just needs a job, but maybe someone who's looking for the job, right? Looking for not just employment, but how to how to leverage this, how to leverage storytelling to get the job that they really want, the job that they can really maximize their impact or their passion. So, how would you kind of advise a person in that scenario where they're like they're they're trying to understand what you're talking about in order to go find that meaningful work? Yeah. So, uh, how story could accelerate that process is let's just imagine that the person who's looking for work is going to go through this framework. They set it out with an achievement in mind. They want to get, they want to become employed, right? But they don't want to just be employed by just anybody. They want a job that's really fitting to them. And they don't fully even know all the elements that are, make it fitting to them. So they're going to do some exploration. They take action. Okay. Maybe that means they have to do more study, put out a lot more applications, Maybe they offer to do an internship somewhere for free to learn things, but they document that process. They document it. And if, as they bump into conflict, okay, I'm out of money. I'm journaling this, or I'm going to just do this video thing. I'm going to record myself. Today, the conflict is I've been, I'm out of money. I'm looking for a, a job and I've been trying to learn these skills, but I'm going to document this because I know that this story is valuable and I'm going to go forward, right? You're very... Now, you haven't told that story to anybody yet. It's just documented, right? It's just, just written down. That's the writing phase of the, of the story. At some point, in the, in the next phase, the beginning of it is framing it with authenticity. If you're looking back at that video and you're saying, there's things that just, I, that I, I didn't say it right, and that wasn't really where I was at, I need, to, I need to re-record that, and I need to say it more like this. And I'm not saying put your best foot forward. I'm saying be vulnerable. And say this is where I'm at, or maybe this is not okay just as one video. Maybe it needs to be a series, right? And I'm just documenting the process. I'm going to go look for the next thing. Okay, this is humbling, but I had to go get food stamps for a couple months, or get on unemployment, or whatever it is. You're documenting that process, and you're you're actually writing that story out. Well, at some point, it comes time to you 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 get to the advanced part, which is all the way around the circle to the final step, the seventh step. And you figure out the who, what, where, when, and how to tell that story. And it may just be one person that you show those videos to. Or maybe you put them out, you drip them out on your LinkedIn. And you say, hey, I, I'm not ashamed to show my story and the story of looking for a job. But I'll tell you what could happen. An employer could look at all the steps that you took documenting that story and see someone who is self-motivated, self-actualized, and say, I'd be willing to hire that person, right? I'd be. You're, it, you're almost talking about personal branding, in that sense. It really is. I mean, you can apply storytelling to everything. That's what I'm saying. Like story is in in everything. So so personal branding that could be part of it. It could be. It could have been that you just someone. It, it was all just written down, and someone started blogging out there about what you know. It's it's not necessarily. It's not any one way of telling the story it's just the fact that you decided to lean into the storytelling that you accelerate the process now conversely if that person didn't document any of that 
and decided to just keep doing the same thing. And then on the next day you reflect and say, Oh, that didn't work out. So I'm not going to do that again. So, and then that's like it, the whole, the, the energy of the whole thing starts dying and dying off. Well, then you didn't use story mm-hmm. to, to accelerate. You, you, you gave up. Right. And you know, that's the, that's part of the conflict. It doesn't, things don't come quickly. Conflict can, can be stretched over time. Um, but you know, if you study the stories of those who came from nothing and had to get a job and then get skills and then eventually build up their own business or an organization or the people that really changed the world, you never, ever, ever see someone who didn't go through extreme conflict. They, they go through it. So the thing that I want people to get, especially from, from reading this book is to, to when you're in the conflict phase to just say, aha, I'm in the conflict phase. This is part of story. Every great story has conflict. It's hurt. It hurts. It's painful. I'm in it right now. But if, if like you could, if you could do like what I said, Victor Frankl did a step outside of yourself in that moment and look at yourself in that conflict objectively, almost like scientifically, then it can help you get that energy you need to just keep going. It's almost like recognizing that you're in a story is almost equally as important as telling it because you might never tell that, you know, uh, there's probably people who say, I I don't want to release that information to the public. Like I don't want to be vlogging or whatever. It's like not actually about that as much as it is about recognizing that you've come from somewhere you know, looking at your life story, right? You've come from somewhere and that you're going somewhere. That's right. And knowing it and seeing it, but also like daily. So scaling it way down to be like, today I woke up and I was struggling and did I adjust or make those, you know, like taking yourself through that circle. You know, maybe it's telling that story to your wife when you get home. That's right. To reflect on how you could have improved instead of just staying silent. You know, when, when I think about story as part of who we are, it's, the thing that we are already doing when we call each other and say, what's going on? We're saying, you know, what's up? How are you feeling? Like, I see that you were down. Why is that? And we're checking in on each other's stories. But I think when you say it, people might think, oh, that means I need to start a YouTube channel. You know, I think that's where you're getting into the practical and tactical, whereas you can do those things if it's going to help you. And they, they can be a great lever. Those things, that's kind of an advanced thing. When you get to where you are comfortable being vulnerable, you can lever, leverage those tools yeah. to a, a great degree. But like I said, sometimes the story is only told to ourselves, and mm-hmm. we wait. Mm-hmm. But I do recommend more than just verbal or thinking. I mean, that's number one. It's reflection and telling the story to yourself. And that's yeah. number one thing. But I recommend more than that. I, rec- I recommend writing it down and being yeah. able to reflect on things. I, I think it is, you know, when you look at say it's a YouTube channel, like I just mentioned, hey, this is someone who built an audience because they were speaking to young, scared filmmakers who didn't know how to pick up a camera. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they are now through the cycle and now they're giving back. And I feel like that doesn't have to be step one. Like you said, it's it's the advanced, you know, step down the road where you're actually building an audience because you're giving back your story you've learned it and now you're going to say i'm going to go help other people and you know what that does you know it's not the goal but it gives you ad revenue it gives you uh you know a platform it gives you sponsorships you know you if you're a ceo of a company and you're giving back and you're yeah. telling your story of how your company's helping 
you're actually going to accelerate your company. That's right. Be way better than just saying like, oh, we created this company to tell this story because we're so great. That's yeah, great. I think I think it's it's a it's a fundamental life principle, right? That one understood and applied on the individual level can then be taken and applied to whatever you want, right? That's kind of the idea is that, you know, the encouragement is to don't undervalue your own story. Don't underestimate the power of your own story. It's, it can be used to help yourself and then to help others in your lives, whether that's on a small one-to-one level or wherever you want to take it into your career or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to remind myself the other day when I felt like there was like an argument and I was like, well, actually... I kind of do have some, some thing to add to this because like I went to, I learned and graduated in that in college and I came from this terrible situation growing up. Like these three or four things like mean, I actually do have some, some uh, merit to what I'm saying. That reflection brought you there. Yeah, I was exactly. You got authentic with it. You didn't go. You didn't go the ultra humble, like, oh, no, I have nothing, like martyrdom, just not, you know. Yeah. You, your, authentic, you, your reflection was authentic, authentic. But I didn't go right into it being like, I know better. I was like, oh, I don't know if I have much to add. But, you know, in this argument, and I was like, you know what? I, I can at least say what, what I believe because I know where I'm coming from mm-hmm. and not, you know, be offended when that person doesn't agree. That's a perfect example of what I'm talking about by framing things authentically. Because if, you, if the goal is to brag... You're gonna go. You're gonna go the wrong way. If the goal is to shrink away and say I don't have anything to offer, that's the wrong way. But if you're authentic and you say no, this is truth. Truth is truth, and I can say that. That's when the story has great power. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think humility was a huge thing that we landed on about. Cody is the most humble What's, person. Yeah, I don't I'll mean. Tell you. Yeah, no, that's one thing that I am really good at is being humble. It's 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 incredible. <laughs> um, to witness. Humility is so key to uh, connection and growth and change. Like that, I don't know if you guys listened to the one two weeks ago yet, but that was kind of where we landed. Was that's like a key missing ingredient? You just want to roll that podcast? (laughs) Is humility, and then feels like authenticity. Almost is like tied to that. It is. It's an act of humility to be authentic. Yeah, and those two things kind of beget meaning, right? Like that's what makes well, I, something I don't meaningful. Know. I, I think sometimes people can be authentic and, and not necessarily be humble though because they might actually just be... They're okay with being... Authentically <laughs> themselves and they... But they are And like, they suck. They're <laughs> just very... They're just very proud, uh, yeah. selfish people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, and there might be authentic. It's almost worse when they know about it. Huh? <laughs> it's worse when they know about it, and they're just like, "Yeah, it, I am who I am." You yeah, know? so you could you could be yeah. Like sometimes I think about this because there's so much of like, and I feel like again we've probably talked about this before in a different podcast episode, but that that buzzword of authentic authenticity is like some. I feel like there needs to be other balances with it. Like humility is important. Yeah, right? like, so I think you can be authentic. I think you be authentic without being humble, but you really can't be humble without being authentic. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Some, <laughs> you some, something you said, Jed, about these seven steps and everything. Like, I, I, I personally usually will back away from like that type of language, 
but something that I fe- I feel and I and I'm assuming a lot of people right now it's like oh conflict in my story like every hour there's a new conflict like where's the resolution you know it can be overwhelming but the one of the key things you're you're saying that sticks out to me is the importance of just like kind of just like mindfulness and journaling and just making sure that you're not letting those things accumulate to the point where you're just like you don't you don't see you don't even you have too many like conflicts on top of each other that you can't even see what potential that's right oral but potential resolution could have come out of them because you're not even keeping track anymore because you're just you're just in complete like keep my head above water survival mode which i feel like has is, is where a lot of people are at it was where i've been at this most of this year they're just like mentally like oh i really need to get you know organized in my in just my own like uh self-reflection daily and sometimes more than once daily and and be intentional about that because otherwise i think i don't know i think a lot of people they have plenty of conflict and then they're not being intentional about trying to figure out what they that's learned right. because they assume that every bad thing that's happened to them there's nothing to there's nothing positive that could ever come out of it or there's nothing to figure Which, out that, that's the other thing that they you you we we kind of march on from the conflict and do, you can think of the reflection and the finding the moral as processing the conflict if you didn't process the conflict it's just stuck there like some thorn in your side and it's just agitating you and you don't even know what's agitating you for a long time. You didn't learn and grow from it. So right. that's what you're talking about with mindfulness. That's exactly what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like if we're not intentional about that, you, you don't, you, you don't move on. That's what I'm talking about, about having a million muddy memories of things that happen, occurrences that happen to you in your life. And you don't know whether they were good or right or what could be done differently. You didn't process them. Right. And that's actually the act of counseling. When you go to counseling, Mm. they're helping you process through all of that. Right. So this is a shorter cycle of that, of processing what is conflict in your life. And that's the story. Mm. Then you can tell it because it's been processed. That's really interesting because, uh, I think the, the mark of a person who, who hasn't done that, who hasn't worked through that process is an embittered person. So like a, a person who is unwilling to recognize their own shortcomings or they're, they're constantly looking back and blaming things or they have a thousand excuses for why it didn't work out the way they, they, that it did, that they wanted it to or why they didn't get to where they thought they were going to get to. They're just an embittered person. That's right. Um, it's never their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Um, and I think we all probably can think of people who are like that. And that is a true sign. I'm like that. (laughs) Well, that's a true sign, I think, of someone who hasn't taken the time to wrestle with that period of reflection on things. Um, I just think it's a never-ending thing, man. I just think it's like, it's just, you got to just constantly be doing this because otherwise it's just... It's every day. There's just too much, there's just too much going on. And and it's like that, that old saying of like, know thyself. It's like a, it's a daily like almost spiritual practice of like hundred percent really well, like what am I going to do from these like hard things in my life or what I'm going to do about the things that have happened to me that are long gone and like, why am I still processing it? And it's like, if you're not intentional about just living in those, in those moments and just letting them be what they are, you're not going to, you know, see the potential like resolution on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, and but maybe, keep- I don't know. I tend to think sometimes there might, not be 
like don't fight for the resolution like sometimes there might it might not be super clear it might be years before you're like oh i've actually built up this character trait because of this like traumatic experience it's not like oh everything happens for a reason that bad thing happened so i could have this amazing thing but it's just it's like you know thank god i do have that character trait now you know and it's not being thankful for the trauma it's being thankful that you know something positive could come out of that and i think we want we jump ahead and want we want the resolutions yeah. too quickly and we want the resolution too quickly sometimes um and it's like I, I i try to strike the balance between like not trying to force it but also not trying to be like you know completely hopeless about like oh this this you know shitty thing that happened there's no there's no no good thing could have come out of that you know and it's like well i don't know that yet <laughs> i don't mm. i don't really know that i'm not i'm not outside of my life completely <laughs> I haven't actually lived all of it yet. Right. Um, that's that's and, exactly and, and right. That's why I was just being about... open to the possibility of like, hey, there could be some like character growth from this. That's right. Let that's it, the let it exist. That's the openness to getting new data the next time around the story flywheel. So when I'm talking about acceleration, I'm picturing this flywheel that accelerates every time it goes around with every revolution around it. And that's why in the graphic it's pictured as a circle and you're coming around. So you're never supposed to do process that conflict, come out, and then do nothing with it. You're supposed to apply it the next time you bump into that conflict again. So, mm -hmm. and that's what gives you more data because you made a hypothesis. You come into that type of conflict again. You apply something that you that you believe you learned from the last time you reflected on it, and it either accelerates you in the right direction or it didn't work. And then you it gives you again gives you new data and say nope. Okay, we're trying it again. We're trying a new angle, trying a new angle. And eventually you find grooves, you find paths, you find pathways that work and you do accelerate. The whole thing does accelerate. And like Mike said, some stuff takes way longer. That's right. Sometimes, you know, I've had times where it was nice to have a whole weekend and not do anything but reflect on some stuff and to think about some stuff. And those just can feel uncomfortable, but it's nice to actually work on stuff that, that you want to work on or process. And we did definitely live in a culture where everything feels better when it's quicker and shorter and, you know, I uh, got the answer right away and now I know what to do, but that's not also how you get strong. That's not how you get uh, prosperous. All, all the things that people want in their life to be strong and prosperous and have a great family and all these different things, right? Those just don't happen very quickly. Those no. are those are the slow burn things right. that you get to because you're continually trying to improve and you're trying to live a little bit of a sacrificial life and, and, and you know, build your family up or build the people up around you or, you know, be in a community of friends that you care about them or whatever it is that, that you do. It's not like, oh, I just met this person. Now we're best friends. <laughs> like there had to be work. There had to be, hey, man, I noticed you were down. Like, let's figure out why. Have you, you know? seen Step Brothers? Oh, wow. Yeah. You just disproved me in, <laughs> in one question. One movie. <laughs> Wait a minute. They weren't friends. They hated each other. <laughs> yeah, it took a whole movie to become best friends. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly right. It Patience is something that's lost. I shouldn't say lost. It's just so much less um, appreciated now. But the great, great things in life take a long time. They take a lot of patience. I totally agree with that. I felt that way when I was writing the book over months. I'm like, 
you know, someone told me about the, the, I, I read, I think it was Jerry Jenkins saying the marathon of the middle. It's like you, no one writes a book and then gets into the middle and doesn't say, why did I do this? <laughs> like it's hard and you just, it probably shows in the lack of, you know, whatever flowery writing that's just enlightened in the middle. It's more At one like point, just there's hammering just like, through there's it. There's just like 12 blank pages. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, got past that. <laughs> we'll take care of that in the editing. <laughs> All work and no play makes Jed a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jed a dull boy. But it is true. You need to take yeah, I'm writing this great book, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just accelerate, accelerate, accelerate. <laughs> 12 pages. And every time you come in here and interrupt me, <laughs> I <I'm> startle. <laughs> come on, we're going to do the podcast. <laughs> you, know, you said something earlier, Jono, that I, I liked. You were talking about like when we say, hey, what's up? How you doing to each other? And so the normal Pat response is good. And you just leave it at that. Right. So someone who's been in a time of reflection and willing to be vulnerable can just say a one-liner of what's going on with them right in that moment. That is actually an opportunity f to accelerate in that moment. Yeah. Because if you were to say what it was you were processing in that moment to that other person, they might have a nugget of wisdom or they may kn know someone who could help you. Or, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm looking for, um, you know, this. yesterday I was looking for, this is just a stupid example, but... Uh, my pu my pipes burst and I was like tr on YouTube trying to figure out how to, and someone says, oh, I already learned that. I'll come help you with that or something. Your story can mm -hmm. accelerate from, it, it wouldn't have if you hadn't have spoke up in that moment. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little example. And then if you multiply that out, it's the same, uh, you know, crystallize on a small level as it is on a, on a, on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think remembering that, the first thing you said is that story can be used for good or for bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think what, like a lot of people tell Complaining. Their, well, yeah, exactly. A lot of people tell <laughs> the same story over and over and over again. They never learn from it. So it's like, it's the same, same story. The blaming day. and complaining is often the first thing you see someone post or say, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like, man, like we are, you know, it's like the opposite of being grateful for everything we have, you know, and being grateful for the opportunity we have, the country we're in, the freedoms we have, all the things that, is, that are going on that we can actually be know, thankful for. We can be thankful for those things and then change our situation. And sometimes... Oh my God, you full don't circle feel, Thanksgiving week. Yeah, Thanksgiving. I mean, I don't know if... I'm assuming it's past now. But. You're probably listening to this after Thanksgiving, but... But it is Thanksgiving gobble, week gobble, for gobble. us. Unless I edit this tomorrow. Ooh. Get it out yeah. there. So meta. It's really true, though. There is so much to be thankful for. And that is a really key thing to sort of give yourself positive energy toward going after what you're, you know, because we can start to feel negative. With enough conflict, you, you can start to feel jaded. You almost even. have to force yourself to think of the, the just the, the low hanging fruit, the, the easy basics. stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> thankful I'm alive that I woke up this morning and that, you know, sometimes that's all you can muster, you know, or like the people that are closest to you. But, you know, the the more you go, the more specific you get, and you're like thinking of people and situations and things you've done, experiences you've had, and it's like, wow, like, you know, I don't, I'm not in a place now that I should just be complaining. I could actually, uh, you know, reflect and adjust and change. Have you ever done the Wim Hof cold showers? If you ever do that, I don't think so because I've probably never heard of it. 
if you it's breathing exercises and you take cold showers, it's supposed to be good for your health. It shocks your immune system and like builds up your immune system. If you've mm. ever done that, the next time that you take a hot shower, you're like, man, I'm thankful for this hot shower. <laughs> okay. I'm so thankful for this hot shower right now. It's just it's something we have every day. But it's incredible. This hot water that's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it feels amazing. On demand. On demand. So there are a lot, t- tons of things to be thankful for. Well, let's let's wrap this one up. It's been an yeah. Hour. I think we've we've done a we've been we've been really uh, diligent about the hour, and it's not it's good. Really You're welcome, like <laughs> listeners. <why? laughs> well, uh, we were going to do two hours every uh, episode, but now well, we never really talked about it. It just ended up being like all right, certain people's hour, so wives, if they've even made it this far into this one, you know who you are. <laughs> Linnell. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we All love of our wives. Love Bethany. <laughs> five, the five listeners, we love you so much. Thank you. Our diligent the true crew, Our real fans. Yeah. All right, so who wants to bring us home with some sort of a... Jed. So put, a, put a bow I'll, on this one. So I'll just say that the book is not on the shelves yet. Um, by the time, the, it, well, at least at the airing of this podcast, it's not. But it should be by early 2021. And um, there's some pretty cool application steps at the end of every single chapter. One of them actually was I'm calling the complain game. You were just talking mm. about complaining, and uh, you just you find someone else and you 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 catch each other if you say any type of complaint and whoever has the most tallies. Com- whoever complains more yeah. or something? Whoever has the most complaints at the end of the uh, that at sounds, the end of the that week. That sounds stupid. I don't want to do it. <laughs> one, one Wait, for you, you. you win with more, right? No, you, you win with less. Oh. Yeah, you win with less. Oh, but it's, oh it's whoever, golf scoring. <laughs> it's golf scoring. Whoever, whoever, whoever did get more has to buy the other a drink or a lo- or dinner or something like that. But it's a good accountability kind of thing to sort of sort of reshape your your language what you say so anyways there's application steps like that at the end of these different chapters and they're they're really helpful um so really looking forward to getting everybody's feedback on that book mm. and with that have a happy thing oh, oh we had a thanksgiving that was happy have a happy new year oh yeah merry christmas everyone ciao everybody <laughs> see you later